Okay, here's the first order of business this morning. I want you to turn to your neighbor and I want you to tell them happy Labor Day weekend. Go ahead, you tell them. Tell a couple of your neighbors now. You go ahead. Yes. Yes. Now, full disclosure, that was very good, by the way. That was very enthusiastic. Um, in full disclosure, I have not been a person that super has loved the Labor Day holiday. I'm thankful for it, as we should be thankful for any holiday that our government so graciously gives us. But as far as like other holidays go, it doesn't really like stack up the same way. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. You've got like Christmas and Easter and Canada Day and Victoria Day and New Brunswick Day, Groundhog Day, <laughs> Labor Day, right? Like that's kind of where it is because, because, and none of these things are all that bad under themselves, but it's kind of this perfect coalescence of different factors happening. Like the summer season is nearing an end. That's kind of unfortunate for me. Summer vacation would be coming to an end. Uh, not so great. Uh, school would be about to go back in. I was gonna say sorry for I gonna say sorry for saying the S word, but apparently that's celebrated around here. Um, golf season is almost over, right? So like all these things, I know it's tragic. It's tragic. So all these things, none of which are all that bad, but they all happen like at once, and it just kind of makes Labor Day not like a super. I want to just get up and party, kind of a celebration. And matter of fact, I don't think I've ever met anybody that goes around saying Labor Day. That's the best holiday. That's the one. Just prove me wrong. You know what I mean? Like, just not really there. But at the same time, it's this big holiday. It's one of the few long weekends we get in the summer, and it's one of the few holidays we have. Oh, I don't know why. It's one of the few stat holidays that we have, and so. That should be uh, cause for us to say, oh, maybe there's something that we should like pause and consider and acknowledge on Labor Day. It's not just a day off because of whatever, but there's a reason for it. And the reason for Labor Day that you probably are aware of is that it was instituted to commemorate the achievement of workers. So all through the ages, workers doing work, working, have done really great things, and a lot of stuff has gone on there, and we pause to celebrate and acknowledge that. And it's actually been around quite a while. I looked up online, Labor Day's been a public holiday in Canada since 1894. That's a while. That predates all of us, I'm 99% sure. But anyway, it's been around, and so admittedly, like it's a day, I don't really stop to think about it a lot, but, but when you actually stop and consider like work, it's kind of a significant thing, because you spend a lot of your day, a lot of your time, a lot of your life working. And so, I don't know if you've ever asked yourself the question, like, why do I work? What's the deal with work? How did this all originate? Maybe for you, it's, well, I work because I got bills to pay that ring a bell. I got bills to pay, and after that, I got more bills to pay, and after that, I got some really big, scary bills I got to pay, so I got to work so I can pay those bills. Like, that's a pretty good reason. Maybe your sort of origin in work was when you were a teenager, and maybe you turned 16, 17, 18, whatever, and people started saying to you, when are you going to get a job? When are you going to go to work? Go get a job. And you say, well, I don't know. I guess I'm expected to do that, so I guess I'll go get a job. Maybe that's how it started for you. But and that's a fine reason too, but what I want to submit to you today is that there is a deeper rationale for work than just that. 
particularly as Christians, like we have more there to explore and to mine the depths of. God has something to say about our work, both our work vocationally for pay, and we also have this additional leg of work as Christians. That would be like works of ministry. Somebody say ministry. Ministry is just like doing things in the service of God, serving other people, serving the church, that kind of thing. Uh, it says in God's word in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, we've been created in Christ Jesus for good works. It's right in there, right part of God's heart for us as believers is good works. Uh, Ephesians 4, 12 says that the saints ought to be equipped for works of ministry. So it's right there. It's part of God's plan for us. So we should be asking, well, how should I understand work? What would God want me to think about work, both work for pay and works of ministry? And Labor Day is a great time to stop and consider that question. So that's what we're doing today. Now, what we're going to do first as we kind of explore this, I want to give you a theology of work. Somebody say a theology of work. Very good, with gusto now, that's good. Now, when we say a theology of work, what we're saying is this, if we're going to understand work, like really understand it. We don't start with our own thoughts. Here's what I think about work. We start with God. Matter of fact, that's where you need to start to understand pretty much most things, certainly all the important things in life. You start with God. What does God say? What is God like? What does he think about this particular subject? And he definitely has something to say to us about work. So I'm gonna give you five things in a theology of work this morning. And the first one is this. God is a working God. Turn to your neighbor now and tell them he's a working God. Go ahead. And we talked about this back in the spring, right? We actually did a sermon series. This is like just bringing this back to your mind. Don't worry, there won't be a test later. Um, we did a sermon series back in the spring called The Move of God. And that seems like a really long time ago, actually, but I digress. And in that series, we said, okay, God is not uh, dead or passive or forgetful or distant, but God is alive and well and he's working and moving and speaking and changing and he's on the job. That's our God. And, and if you go right to the beginning of the Bible, right at the very, very start, the first words of scripture, Genesis chapter one, verse one, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the very first verse. In other words, right at the beginning, God was doing something. God was working. God was on the project. He was up to something. And if you read the rest of Genesis chapter one, it talks about God did this. God made that. God uh, spoke this into existence. God worked in this way. And I want to pick up in Genesis chapter two, verses one to three. They're on the screen there. It says, thus... The heavens and the earth were finished and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his, one more time, work that he had done in creation. So you can see it right at the beginning. God is working. God is up to something. And you fast forward in your Bible way up to John chapter 5, verse 17. This is in the time of Jesus. He says, my father is working until now and I am working. Not only, just a sidebar, is that Jesus claiming to be God. 
That's him saying, hey, God began working at the very start, and he didn't stop. He kept on working, and he's been working, and now I'm here, and I'm working. I'm going to keep on working, right? That's right in the vocabulary of God, right in the action of God. Then you consider Jesus' work on the cross. How many of you are thankful for Jesus' work on the cross today? Good. That's very good. Jesus' work on the cross is this. We were made to walk in relationship with God and worship God and praise God and be close to God, but we have all sinned against him. We have separated ourselves from God, severed our relationship with him because of our sin, and we can't just earn our way back, work our way back, do enough good to get back into his good graces. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We're cut off. But God loves us so much that he sent Jesus Christ, his son, to the earth to deal with our sin problem. Jesus never had any sin problem. We had a sin problem. Jesus lived on the earth a perfect, sinless life, which is the life that we have certainly failed to live. And he went to the cross and he died in our place to pay for our sins, though he had none of his own. And Jesus on the cross took on the full weight of the wrath of God for sin. And on the cross he said, it is finished. It's finished. Jesus died and was buried and he rose though on the third day because he was without sin. And because he was without sin, the grave could lay no claim to him. So he bursts on up out of there triumphantly. He defeats death. He has the final word. And now we trust in the work that he has done. We put our faith in him and we are saved from our sins. Is that good news to somebody today? Yes. And so when you think about the work of Jesus on the cross, like here's the good thing. He did all the work and we get all the benefit. That's pretty good because Like you getting right with God has nothing to do with the works that you do, the things that you do. It's it's all about the work that Jesus has already done. And so we love Jesus and we're thankful for what he's done on the cross. And then even as Christians, even once we come to Christ, the work continues. Philippians 2.13 says, It is God who works in you, both to will and to work, for his good pleasure. You can probably see a theme emerging here, okay? God is a working God. God right from the start and to this day, God moves, God works, God acts, God speaks, God gives life, God changes hearts, God saves souls, God leads and he guides. Our God is a working God. Do you believe that today? Good, good. Well, then that leads us to number two then. In our theology of work, we ought to be a working people. Because God is a working God, we ought to be a working people. We are to take after him in that way. Back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, God says, Let us make man in our own image after our likeness. That is a large verse. It's a large verse, and there's a lot in there. But what it's really saying is, like, you, you and I have been created in the image of God to bear the likeness of God. And we were made to take after God, although we, present company, definitely included, fall short of that on a regular basis. But that is our our intent or, or our design and creation. We're to reflect the glory of God. We're to relate to God in that way. Matter of fact, all of our lives, everything that we do in our lives is supposed to be an offering of praise to the Lord, just reflecting his majesty, offering it up, sending our praise to him. That is, that is literally, and I, 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 I can't overstate this, 
That is literally the purpose of your life. In, in all of the ways that we can express that, that is really, truly, ultimately what your life is all about. Not about you, it's about the Lord. You were created for Him, to worship Him. That is your purpose. And that's established in Genesis 1.26. And then if you fast forward to Genesis chapter 2, verse 15, it says, the Lord God took the man, that's Adam, as in Adam and Eve, he took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. That's the first mention of humans doing work right there. And so what we see, like if you just look at that slide right there, just the just chronological order here. God has worked. God creates us. Work comes in. It's in that order. And work is therefore one of the functions that supports our purpose. You see that? It's one of the things that we can do to work toward our purpose of, of glorifying God, that lofty purpose. Now, this is one of the first instructions that God gave to people. Right here, Genesis 2.15. That's one of the first things he said. On a fun sidebar, the very first instruction God gave to people was to be fruitful and multiply. So on your drive home later, you can ponder all the possible meanings of what that could be talking about. Okay? But this is one of the next ones. One of the first things God says to humans is to work. He put them in the garden to work it and keep it. This is right at the heart of God for our lives, working. And it has been since the beginning. Some people say, oh, work only came into the world after the fall, after sin entered the world. Now we've got to work and it's toil and it's hard, da-da-da-da. That's not true. Because right there, the Lord God, this is before the fall. This is before sin. When everything was right, God took the man and put him in the garden to work it. And the reason this is important to note, again, we are to work because God has already established that he's a working God. Remember, just the, just the timeline here. Genesis 1, God creates. Then he says, let us make men in our image. The man is supposed to take, and, and women are supposed to take after me. And then comes work. God has already established he's a working God. And it's part of his nature. Therefore, it ought to be part of ours. You see that? You see the timeline there? What I want to say on this, too, this is important to note. We can take this kind of too far to the extreme, though. And we can kind of get things out of order. Some people get to the place in their lives where they, they consider their work to be their purpose. You've heard people say that, oh, but this job I had, this thing I'm doing, that's my purpose in life. It is not. It is not. Your purpose is enduring. Your purpose in life never goes away. It's to glorify God, and your work is a function that's supposed to support that. But your work is not your purpose. Just hear that today. And that does not mean that you can't love your job. That can't mean, or that doesn't mean that you can't love the, the ministry that you serve in. That doesn't mean that the work you do isn't important. That also doesn't mean oh, it's, it's, it's less important enough, I can just slack off at my work. No, that's not what it means. But life is not all about work. Just tell you that, like it's not, it's not, some people work way too much. Not any of you people, but you know, other people. Some people work way too much. And some people work to the degree or they work in such a way that their work becomes part of their identity. Like it's just tied right in with you know, their job title and, and their, their whatever. Well, here's the problem. Like, what happens if you can't work anymore? What happens if you lose that job or that title? Then you have nothing. Your work 
is not your purpose. Life is not all about work. Work fits into the narrative of bringing glory to God. It's a function that supports that purpose, but it's not everything. Let me say it another way. Your work is not your identity. Your work is part of your worship. That's where it fits in. We still good so far? Good. Well, we'll move on to number three then. God wants us, in our theology of work, God wants us to work and keep a garden. He wants us to work and keep a garden. Let me explain that one. I want us just to stay on Genesis 2.15. Again, it says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and keep it. And what looks like a several thousand year old piece of history, just a story that might not mean anything to us, there's actually something really relevant in there for us. In this sequence, God takes Adam and he plants him in a garden, okay? The garden here is where God planted Adam. Planted. That's a, see, someone got the pun. That's good. That's good. God had figuratively and maybe literally planted Adam in the garden. So that was his area where, where this was God's will for him. You go here. You be in this space. This was Adam's area of influence. This was his domain, his dominion. This was his turf, right? This garden where God had put him. And of that place, God said, I want you to work it. Work it. Work at it. Dig in. Again, there's another gardening pun for you. Dig into this. Study it. Invest in this garden. Uh, explore it. Improve it. Get the most out of this garden that you can and make the most of it. So work this garden and keep this garden. To keep a garden, some of you are way better gardeners than I am. Um, there's probably not many of you that would be worse at it than me. But you know about keeping a garden, that means you don't let it grow up with weeds. You don't let it grow wild. You don't let it just spin out of control and get overgrown and, and all crazy in that way. Again, there's something in this for us. Let me just let's bring it down to our level today. Um, God has planted you in a garden, so to speak. God is sovereign over all things. God sees all. He knows all. He has wisdom. And he puts us in the places he puts us for a reason. So wherever you are in this particular time in your life, think of that as your garden. And God has planted you in that garden. The, the, the area of influence that you're in, maybe at your job, maybe in your home, whatever it is, um, the, the people around you that you are influencing. That's part of your garden. The skills that God has given you, the things that you're good at, that's part of your garden. The interests that you have, the passions that you have, the heart that you have, that's all part of God's garden, the garden that God has put you in, that area of, of influence. And of that area, again, that looks a little different for all of us, of that area, of that, of that space, God says, I want you to work that. I want you to work it. Stay with me now. This garden that God has planted you in, the, the garden that you find yourself in right now, God says, work it. I want you to dig in. I want you to invest. I want you to cultivate. I want you to pour into this. I want you to get the most out of it. And so again, think of, think of what things am I good at? What talents, interests, people around me has God given me and how does he want me to work this garden? Because if you do nothing, Say God gives you a skill in something and you just do nothing. Well, that's not working your garden. Do you see what I'm saying? And when we fail to work our garden, when we fail to like cultivate the things that God has put in our sphere of influence, 
Not only do we miss out on the heart of God, we actually miss out on blessing too. Because if God gave you something, if God planted you somewhere, it's for a reason. Because he wants you to do something. He wants you to work it. Okay? And, and also, it says, keep your garden. Keep your garden, again, means you don't let it grow wild. You don't let it grow up in weeds, uninhabited, whatever. But, but you make sure that that garden stays tended and stays close to God's heart. Let me, let me say it this way. Some people work their garden, but they don't keep their garden. Some people do things with the resources or the personalities or, or the whatever that God has given them, but they do it in such a way that's out of line with God's character. That would be like, okay, I'll make up an example. Someone, God gives person X just a brilliant business mind, a brilliant, you know, entrepreneurial business mind, and that person takes that business savvy and they like go and open up a strip club or something. You know what I mean? They've worked the garden, but they've just not kept the garden. They've kind of gotten away from God's heart when, when using uh, the gifts that he's given them. I'll give you an example from scripture. The apostle Paul, in his earlier life, he worked his garden, but didn't keep his garden. Um, before he knew Jesus, he was a young man and he was quickly rising through the ranks of the Jewish religious leadership. He was a Pharisee, they were called. And this guy obviously was brilliantly just gifted, wicked smart. He was ahead of his class, ahead beyond his age, ahead of his peers, rising through the ranks. This guy's working his garden, right? He knew the laws, he knew the rules, he knew the traditions. He was like on the fast track. Here's the problem, his, his zeal for that kind of got him off the heart of God. And in his zeal, he started like persecuting and harassing the church and Christians. That's working the garden, but not keeping the garden. That's, that's using what you've got, but using it in a way that's not honoring to God. Now, luckily for Paul, uh, Jesus got a hold of him and sorted him out in short order. And uh, we're thankful for that because Paul went on to write most of the New Testament. So that's good. Do you understand what I'm saying, though? God has planted you in a garden, and he wants you to do something with it. He wants you to work it, and he wants you to keep it in such a way that it's honoring to him because that's your purpose. You still with me now? Good. Okay, so we'll move on to number four then. God, uh, work can help to humble us. Say humble. humble. Some people miss this one entirely. They just blow on past it, and they use their work as an opportunity to puff themselves up. Look at me. Look how important I am. Look at the job title that I have. Look at me serving in ministry, right? Not so good. Some people use their work to exploit other people or take advantage of other people. Not good right? Not God's heart for work. But when we take the right approach, when we take the right mentality toward our work, it's actually very grounding and humbling for us. And that's a really good thing. And if you look at what it says here on the screen from Colossians chapter 3, it says that we're to work with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ, is what it says. So in those couple of verses, there is a mentality, a mindset in there. And the mindset in those verses is, hey, I work for the Lord. It says it right in there on the second line. Work heartily as for the Lord. You work for God. I work for God. That's a reminder that, oh, he's in authority. Jesus is my master. I'm under him. He is over me. And I'm under his authority. And I'm accountable to him. 
And when we remember that, when we work in, in, in that mentality and that mindset, that reminds us of our place, right? That allows us to show up at work every day or show up in your serving and ministry or whatever it is, and you can stay grounded and you can remember what it's actually all about. I'll give you a hint. It's not about you. You are serving who? The Lord Christ. That is what it's about. That is what your work is about. Remember what your purpose is, is to honor God in all that you say, do, think, etc. That is literally your role as a Christian, to serve the Lord Christ. Whether you're serving him at your job, your place of employment, or you're serving him in the church, or you're serving him out in the community, in his name, or whatever it is, you are serving the Lord Christ. You know what that means? It's not for your honor that you're serving or working. It's for his. It's not for your glory that you are to work and serve. It's not, for, it's not for your little kingdom. It's for his kingdom, right? When we remember this, this is good for us because we can stay in our lane and we can, we can more truly stay on the heart of God and live the lives that God has for us if we stay humble. If at any point we get away from the humble thing, like we're off the heart of God. And so when we look at work the right way, it can keep us grounded on that. It can help to humble us. Number five then, final one, work affects our witness. Somebody say witness now. Can I get a witness? All right. Here's the deal about witness. That's a churchy word that simply refers to we want other people to know Jesus. How many of you have someone in your life you want them to know Jesus? They don't know him yet, you want them to know him. Absolutely you do, of course you do. And when we're talking about witness, it's uh, the effect that we can have on other people in getting them to know Jesus. And so work is something that can help in our witness. I don't know, a lot of times we think, oh, I've got my home life and I've got my work life and then I got my Jesus life. Well, that isn't really correct, friend. You got one life and Jesus is over it all and in it all and through it all. Therefore, all of your life can be an opportunity to witness. And so when you think about work in these terms, work is something that I was just thinking about this week. It's, it's, it's a really easy excuse, a really easy on-ramp to get into other people's lives. You know what I'm saying? Like, how many of you work and you work like a shift at work? Two of you, okay. Shift work. I was gonna say, there's more than two of you that, that do a shift. Well, when you're on your shift at work, there are probably other people working the same shift. You didn't have to go out looking for them. They're just right there. Or maybe you work in a desk clump or do they have cubicles anymore? Anybody work in a cubicle? They do, okay. I didn't know if that was like a thing of the past or not. I don't work in a cubicle, so I'm a little bit detached from reality in that way. But anyway, you don't care about that. Um, or, or maybe you're getting on the Zoom call, or maybe it's you serve with other people. Like for instance, some of you guys serve at the food banks around town, and when you're going to serve at the food bank in Jesus' name, like there's other people around. Work is just a cool, like I've had times in my life, regrettably, where I look around and I go, I don't really have any people in my life that are not Christians. And that's not that great, and that's one of the things about working in a church, right? But. You don't have to go out looking. Like work is right there. Like, oh, should I like join a book club or like the PTA or something? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I'll start with the people I work with because we work around other people. Now, sometimes, given, 
You work by yourself. Sometimes in ministry, you serve by yourself. There's no one else around. No one knows what you're doing. No one sees you doing it. That's, that's great. That's wonderful. But you see what I'm trying to say. A lot of the time, our work causes us to get out in front of other people. And it can be a natural excuse to be relational with those around you. And you've heard me say, if you're not being relational, you're not being biblical. Because a lot, uh, there's a lot of emphasis in the Bible about the way you interact with other people. It's not just you and Jesus and that's it. Like it's, it's Jesus, others, and you. That's why the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and love other people as yourself, right? It's important. And I'll say this too. The people that you work with or serve with are there for a reason. Like think about it this way. God has in his foresight and wisdom, God has caused your employment or your service at whatever to intersect with these other peoples. Like, you work at the same place at the same time. Like, that's not by accident. That's for a reason, because God wants you to witness. God wants your life and your work to be a witness to those people. And if you see right here, it says in 1 Thessalonians 4, it says, we urge you to aspire to live quietly, to mind your own affairs, and to work with your hands as we instructed you. Look at this. So that you may walk properly before who? Outsiders. That's non-Christians. And be dependent on no one. And now there's a few things going on in that verse, but I want you to just for today notice the correlation between working with your hands, working, and walking properly before outsiders. That's right in there. It's tied together. Your work affects your witness. People are watching us as Christians. Even though we live in like a post-Christian society and it seems like a lot of people just aren't interested in God or faith or the church or anything like that, even if, even if someone is, doesn't even believe it, they're an atheist, they're whatever, people still know that if you're a Christian that you claim to represent God even if they don't care about it a lot themselves, they know and they're watching and they see you. And that can be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Depending on how we, how we respond to that and how we act in that. And I'm not trying to put more like undue pressure on you. I'm just saying that the way that we work, it can go either way right there. If we are lazy at work or slothful at work or we're cutting corners at work, or we're acting like, a, this is a good biblical word, we're acting like a sluggard at work. That's just a good word, uh, the sluggard. That affects our witness. That affects your witness. And that can actually repel people. That can actually, like there's nothing, I love you, I'm not saying this to anyone in particular, but you guys know this, there's, there's nothing virtuous about being lazy. You know what I'm saying? And if someone looks at you and you're doing like a, just a slack job at work or whatever, they're gonna look at you and they're not gonna say, wow, man, I want, like whatever that person's, I mean, I wanna be like them. Whatever that person stands for, like I gotta stand for that myself. No, you know what they're gonna say? I don't respect that. And where are they gonna go in their mind? More than likely, they're gonna go, that person's a Christian, they claim to worship some God but they act like this. I don't want to hang around with them. I don't want anything to do with the God that they claim to worship, right? We don't want to give anyone an occasion to be repelled from the faith is what I'm saying. 
Um, now that, of course, is not me saying you can never have like a lazy day at home, take time off. Obviously, yes, that's a gift from God. We need to do that. And matter of fact, we already read, even God rests. Even God rested. So you're not above God. You need to be lazy sometimes, but not at work. You get what I'm saying? But let's flip that around. When we do a good job and work hard at work or serve hard in ministry or whatever, people, and it's not all about, hey, look at me, look how hard I'm working, but other people are going to notice that. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to respect that. And they're going to say, rather than I got to back away from this person, I don't, I, don't, I don't like what they stand for, being lazy at work, that could be an opportunity for them to be drawn in. And you can uh, potentially have a better relationship with that person. And you can further witness to that person. But I guess what I don't want to be lost on us here is that the way that we work says something about God. And we don't want people to get the wrong idea about that because our work affects our witness. That's our theology of work. Everybody still good? Good. Few of you are. All right. I've disenfranchised the rest of you. That's okay. No, we're going to, uh, in the few minutes I've got left, I want to uh, just kind of bring this down to the practical. I want to I give a word for workers today. And I want this to be an encouragement for you um, as we consider this on the Labor Day weekend. If I'm talking about a word for workers, I guess the very high level thing that we can see in what we've seen this morning is we need to work. We need to work. We need to be a people who value and, and cherish and set our minds and our hands to work in all of its forms, right? We need to work. There's no, there's no place in the body of Christ for a mentality of, well, I don't want to work. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to serve. I just want to sit here. I'm not doing anything. Try to get me off my chair, right? That's not going to work out. We need to work. We need to work. And this is not supposed to be a point of legalism either. Like, ah, you must work under all, the minute you stop working, like, no, 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 no. Sometimes there are reasons that we can't work. Maybe poor health. Uh, maybe a poor job market, maybe a ministry that you were serving in got shut down by COVID, like, right? Things happen, things come up. But the general principle is here. Like, we as Christians need to be a people who value work in all of its forms. God wants us to work. God wants us to be productive. He wants us to cultivate the area that he's given us. He wants us to work our garden. He wants us to earn a living. He wants us to engage in ministry. He wants us to serve him and other people. We got to work. Somebody say, we got to work. We got to work. And again, like we've said, you can do this in any number of ways. It's going to look different for all kinds of people. Some of you are going to do this primarily in your place of employment. Some of you are retired and you have no place of employment. That's cool. Uh, we're all the good kind of jealous for you. No, I'm teasing. Um, anyway, the point is this. There is work to be done. There is so, 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 so much work to be done. You even just heard that like in our announcements this morning, right? All the things that we as a church are doing. There's so much going on. There are gardens that need to be worked. There are needs that need to be met. There are souls that need to be saved. The fields are white under the harvest. There's so much to do and we need to set our hands to it. Now, let me just say this. You can't do it all. You can't do it all. If you, if you go there in your mind, like you'll be overwhelmed instantaneously. There's so great of needs out there. There's so great of needs in the church. Like you can't do it all. You know what you can do though? You can do what God calls you and equips you and positions you and asks you to do. That's what you can do. That's what you can control. 
And that's going to look a little different for all of us. So we need to be asking ourselves that. Like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to be doing? What do you want me to set my mind and my hands toward? Who do you want me to serve? Where do you want me to do that? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? And, and what steps do you need to take to be able to do that? Maybe, maybe, for instance, maybe God's calling you to serve in 242, our family ministry. Maybe a step you need to take is go get your criminal record check. That's a public service announcement, by the way. Go get your criminal record check done so you can work and serve in that ministry. Maybe, maybe it's like in the employment work realm. Maybe you've got to like take a course to get certified for something so you can take that next step that God is wanting you to do. I can't answer that for you, but all of us needs to consider and ask ourselves that. God, what work and what works do you have for me to do in this season? And it's going to take all of us coming into this mentality and this activity uh, if we're going to do the things that God wants us to do as a church and be the kind of people that God wants us to be as a church. And we're going to need a whole lot of his grace and a whole lot of his power, but that's what we need to set our minds to. Now, what I want to do, we're, we're coming in now, we're coming in here. I want to speak to those of you who are already working. I'm preaching to the choir, I know it. Um, some of you guys are already working and you're working really hard, whether that's at your job, whether it's, it's serving in ministry, some of you guys are going for it. And I want to just encourage you this morning to talk about job first, okay? Your, your vocational for pay job. Some of you guys are working really demanding jobs. Some of you guys work really long hours, really crazy hours. Um, we've got people in our church that like work overnight. We've had people in the church who all summer started work at four in the morning. Like it's all over the place. Maybe it's a really demanding job. Maybe it's a busy season that started like three years ago and it hasn't come out of the busy season and it seems like this is now the new normal. Um, maybe, maybe your job is not the most enjoyable. Maybe your job is a little bit thankless. Maybe you don't even get paid that well for your troubles, right? Um, I know I'm talking to somebody today. I know it. Um, I want to just encourage you in that. I want to just draw you back to Colossians chapter 3. And, and this does make a difference to remember that you are serving the Lord Christ. You are working for the Lord and not for men. And God has planted you in the garden that he's planted you in, in this particular season for a reason. And this is a very cliche old saying, but it is true. If God calls you to something, he will bring you through something. He will give you the strength that you need to do that job even if it's not a great job right now. Because sometimes, how many of you know, work isn't always fun, right? Our, our answer to that, somebody said, what? <laughs> our answer to that is not, well, I'll just quit or I'll just flee or I'll just, you know, not work as hard <laughs> or whatever. Um, the answer is to trust in the Lord and to seek his strength in that and his grace in that. And maybe there will come a time for you when God says, I want you to leave this job and go to another job. Um, but he'll make that clear to you. Some of you guys can testify, like God has done that in your life. You were working at this job, and God said, it's time to you know, uproot and go to this job. And God will reveal that to you, particularly as you seek him and walk with him in relationship. God sees and he knows and he understands your circumstance and your situation at work, and he wants you to keep being faithful and keep working hard, okay? Now let's talk about ministry. Some of you guys, straight, straight up, are working really hard in ministry, like, a, like a, a lot of hours. I even just think, uh, this is one example of many. Um, we've had people in here all week, some of you guys in here all week, like 
painting walls in the basement, like many hours in the basement. The pay, not that great. Uh, just, just teasing. That was teasing. Hey, you, you work for the Lord, not for men, so it's okay. Um, that's terrible. I don't know why I said that anyway. But the point is, listen, some of you guys are working really, 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 really hard in ministry, serving the Lord, just going for it. And I want to just, seriously, I want to just honor you for that. Um, As your pastor, who I love you guys very much, and I'll even speak on behalf of the elders who who care about you guys very much. Um, We could thank you every single week for all the, the works of ministry that go on around here or out in the community, you know, on behalf of the church, in Jesus' name, all that. Um, we could thank you every week and it wouldn't be enough. Um, but seriously, thank you. And there are some things some of you guys do that, like, don't even get noticed. Just very, you know, very, in a way, thankless because no one else knows you're doing it and you're just behind the scenes Uh, but you're working hard and you're working faithfully. Um, I want us to just pause on that. And can we just like honor those who are working and serving in the church in Jesus' name? Can we just honor one another in that? It's really awesome, so thank you, yeah. Um, To those of you working hard in ministry, doing, doing stuff in ministry, again, God sees, God understands, God knows, and God rewards that faithful service that we do in his name. And I've known some of you guys for a long time. Um, and some of you have literally been in the very same roles or the very same kind of roles like in the church for years, years and years. And maybe it was like, I don't even know how I got into this role, but no one else was doing it. So I stepped in to do it. Um, and then I've just kept on doing it. And now I'm afraid to get out of that role because if I do, there'll be no one else to do it. So I just keep on doing it. Maybe it's different than that. Maybe it's, you know, whatever. But the point is, um, if God has called you to a work of ministry in this season, Uh, Keep being faithful in it. Keep being faithful, even if it's hard work, even if you're feeling, oh, it's discouraging or it's heavy sometimes or whatever. Keep being faithful. Keep working the garden. Keep doing what the Lord is asking you to do. Um, That's all of us, all that any of us can do. And what I wanna do, um, I wanna end now. I'm gonna bring her down in here. I wanna end with an invitation that Jesus made many, many years ago, and he's still making this invitation today, and it's a a wonderful, beautiful invitation for us. He says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he says, come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Jesus says, come to me, Come to me. If you're working hard, if you're burned out, if you've been serving and just going for it like gangbusters, come to me. I will give you rest. I will give you what you need. I will supply the strength that you need. That's the invitation that Jesus is making to us in regard to our work. And what he's not saying in that is, you come to me, you can just ditch all your responsibilities and you can just you know, float around on a cloud and uh, no, not a care in the world. No, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, hey, in the busyness, in the hard work, in all of the weight that goes into that, don't forget to carve out time to come to me and to seek me and to get into my presence and to enjoy and experience my presence and being with me and just sitting at his feet. <clears throat> Ultimately, There is nothing better in this world than the presence of God. There is nothing more satisfying and more sweet than the presence of God. And there is no alternative to the presence of God. That is what we need. 
especially again if you're in a season of you're just you're right at the end of your rope with regard to your work Jesus says come to me and when we do that when we earnestly seek him we've read in the scriptures draw near to God and he'll draw near to you when we go after him when we set our minds and our hearts to come to him he comes to us he meets with us he speaks to us. He ministers to us. He encourages us. He strengthens us, even to the degree, even, even when you think you completely lack the strength to do what he's calling you to do and what he's putting in front of you. He says, come to me. There is no substitute for the presence of Jesus Christ.